You know those times when you feel like you aren't really living your true identity? I mean, I know someone who wants to identify themselves as an Apache helicopter. I think that's just because he has a mad obsession with motorized flying vehicles. Oh, 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 we're recording. <clears throat> if you're a politics enthusiast or you just want to have a blast, this is the Teen Politics Podcast. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Teen Politics Podcast, the place where we talk to teenagers and professionals about their opinion on what's going on in the world we live in. I'm your host, Arjun. Today, we're talking about something that many people out there are advocating for. We're talking about something that is forbidden by many religions, but is a way of life for many people, including countless teens. Today, we're talking about LGBTQ plus rights and living your truth. Nearly 18% of lesbian, gay, and bisexual students reportedly have been raped at some point in their lives. More than three times the rate of straight students. They were twice as likely to be bullied, both online and on school property, and more than twice as likely to stay home from school to avoid violence they felt might befall them on their way there or on school grounds. Almost 30% had attempted suicide more than four times the rate for straight students, and 60% had been reportedly feeling sad or hopeless. They also used hard drugs far more often. 6% reported using heroin at least once, and 5% reported injecting a drug intravenously, which was four and five times the rate among straight kids, respectively. These stats are absolutely unforgivable. And the fact that many of us don't recognize the immense help and support needed is also unforgivable. LGBTQ plus students either need support in finding the truth or living it. There needs to be more federal support on educating young people on supporting their peers. Students need to know that it's a normal thing to be trans or gay or lesbian or whatever you identify as, even as an attack helicopter. They could do this through seminars, classes, online interactives, and even by employing more advocates for the LGBTQ plus idea as teachers and administrators. I wanted to know what an expert thought of these stats, as well as what we can do as peers to help peers, other peers and students feel included. And boy, do I have a guest for you. Today, I have Professor Evan Wolfson, the founder of the Freedom to Marry movement with me. So I am here with uh, Professor Evan Wolfson, uh, who's obviously been instrumental in the Freedom to Marry movement. He started it and uh, he's, he's a gay rights activist and um, obviously an attorney. And uh, we're very honored to have him on the podcast today. So, um, you know, uh, Professor Wolfson, if you'd like to say hello and give us a little background on what you do, that would be great. Sure. Well, it's really good to be with you. I think this is a great project because young people have a really important voice in making the world what we want it to be. And it's young people who often bring their energy and new ideas and talent and willingness to work and their ability to reach other people that some of us can't reach. You know, your parents, your friends, your your roommates, your um fellow students and so on, you can touch their hearts and change their minds also. So it's a great opportunity to talk with you and the people you're reaching. I am, as you said, a longtime activist and lawyer. I sometimes am a professor uh, teaching, whether as a guest teacher, which is how I met you, or uh, in my own classes and and courses in various uh, schools. Uh, 
But most of what I do is advise and assist other movements in the United States. Uh, I you know, spent a long time working in the LGBT rights movement and still do, but I now am often asked to give the elements of success to other movements and other causes that I believe in. Pretty much anybody I support, if I'm not against them, if they ask me for advice, I'm happy to give it. And so whether it be immigrant rights or gun control or animal rights or preserving our democracy here in the United States or racial justice or women's empowerment, et cetera, uh, I am often asked to share the elements of success from the successful Freedom to Marry campaign that I led, which won the Freedom to Marry for same-sex couples here in the United States in 2015. And I also spend a chunk of my time advising and assisting activists and others on the ground in other countries, uh, particularly around human rights and LGBT rights and winning the freedom to marry in more countries around the world, but, but generally in support of democracy and human rights. All right, that's, that's great and inspirational what you do. But, I, you know, I had a few questions. I was discussing in this episode about uh, a few statistics, and one damning one was uh, that 40% of um, LGBTQIA plus students um, have seriously considered suicide. So what's your perspective on that, Stan, and why do you think that happens? Yeah, well, sadly, although, of course, we've made real progress in many countries around the world, there are many other societies where gay people and transgender people and young people who think of themselves as different are oppressed and, and feel hopeless and feel like they have no support. Uh, unlike other minorities, gay people and trans people don't, aren't born into our own community. So that even for example, when we do see racial oppression and discrimination, people tend to be born in the, in the family of the same race. And so they at least have a base of solidarity and an, and an immediate community into which they can stand up against that oppression and discrimination. Whereas for gay people and trans people, typically we're not born into families of support. So we have to find our way, whether it be if we're lucky to parents and uh, brothers and sisters and, and friends who are supportive or to the community that's out there, but that we're not automatically born into. So for many people in many societies, it feels hopeless and, and it is indeed quite oppressive and harsh. But even in the societies that have made a lot of progress, for example, the United States, where I live, we still have a long way to go. And there still is discrimination. There still is stigma. And so young people can sometimes feel overwhelmed by that. They can feel like they don't have that base of support, that the future looks grim, and they can't imagine a better world. <coughs> and, excuse me. And so the most important thing is for people to feel hope. And you know what you're doing in this podcast is giving people hope. It's showing that there are other people who care, that we can tell our stories, that we can find people, even if not in our immediate circle or immediate experience, there are people out there who will be there for us and with us. And so we can find our pathway. And so the most important thing for young people is to overcome that sense of being the only, of being on your own, of being hopeless, of not being able to have an opportunity because we can find our way to an opportunity. We can find our way to others who are better, who are fairer. And, and also people change, you know, even people who seem harsh and resistant and ignorant and prejudiced, many of them can change, not all of them, 
And so you don't have to bang your head on the wall of the hardest ones, go out and find the ones who are reachable. And uh, if you can't do it today, trust that you will get to a better future. Uh, that's a really good perspective. And I think uh, many people need to hear that out in the world, even if, uh, you know, if, if, if you're listening to the podcast and um, you have friends uh, who are, you know, who are who aren't possibly against the um, initiative, um, uh, sorry, against the, um, you know, the whole um, stigma of uh, LGBTQ and the whole notion of LGBTQIA, then you know, go out there if they're reachable. And like Mr. Professor Wolfson said, you don't have to reach everyone. So Professor Wolfson, what, I, th- I guess this kind of links to uh, the other question, but what would be your advice to students out there who, to help them live their truth, of whether they're, um, you know, uh, whether it's regard to their sexuality or their gender or anything else? Yeah. Well, for everybody, it's a journey. Some people know right away who they are and feel a sense of who they are. Uh, and they may not know what, exactly what to do about it. They may not trust that, that right away there are people around them who understand, but they know who they are. And I was that kind of kid. I, I always knew I was gay, at least as far as I can remember. And I was lucky because I didn't think of it as anything wrong about with myself. I thought of it as something wrong with everyone else, that they weren't treating it with respect. But even so, I knew that I had to keep it secret. I had to keep it quiet for a while uh, until I was ready to set myself up and move forward in life. And even then, I was lucky because I always believed that my family and friends would be supportive, but I just didn't, wasn't quite ready right in the beginning, you know, when I was three or four or five or 10 or 15. It wasn't really until after college that I really came out to other people, even though I myself knew uh, in my heart. Other people don't know right away. They're not sure of their identity. They're not sure of where they fit in. They're not sure of what their attraction is or where they might wind up. And that's okay too. You know, it's, it's all right to allow yourself some space to figure things out and to change if that's uh, what's in your future. We, none of us really knows that for sure. But I think the most important thing is to find ways to support yourself uh, wherever you are in that journey as you make your own journey. Uh, and one way to support yourself, as we've discussed, is to find supportive friends or family or teachers or Um, uh, people who share hobbies and experiences. Uh, And if you can't find it in one place, try to find it in another. If you don't find it right away, you can also take refuge and find friends, for example, in books, in the experience of others, in learning about the world and learning about the journey other people have gone on. And even if you're not there yet, and even if you're not ready to get there yet, and even if you don't quite see how to get there yet, you can take refuge, you can take comfort in the experience of others, whether it's through reading or, you know, of course, plays or theater or movies or books and so on, um, until you find that opportunity. And that opportunity will come. And again, you just have to believe that that is in your future because it is. Some good advice. And I think, um, you know, it's 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 hard it's hard for people to you know live with you know it's hard for people to figure out what they who they are and i think um you know finding um people who have lived experiences that you're going through and even if it's in books or like in um on the internet you know we have the internet now which where you can see that people have lived through this so i think that's a great way to get out there and see 
who find out who who exactly you are, right? Yes. And, and well, you know, one of the great life lessons that we all have to learn, and some of us have to learn it over and over and over, is we're not the only one. You know, even though, of course, we're all in our head and we're all in our own experience. And we feel the pain we feel or the hope we feel or the disappointment we feel, et cetera. Um, other people have gone through this too and other people are going through it too. And so you should never, no one should ever feel alone. Even if at the moment, at the moment you can't identify your pathway or your support, that too is an experience that many, many, many other people have gone through and have overcome. And so you just have to take comfort in that and uh, hang in there and open yourself up to the possibilities that will come. And you know, when you're young, every day seems like forever. The idea of a year seems a really long time. The idea of 10 years seems almost unimaginable. And yet, you know, time flies, life moves on, things happen, things change. And you just have to try to find a way to believe that and, and hang in there. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's perfect. I couldn't, be, I couldn't put it any better. Um, so you you wrote a recent article about the importance of activism in especially in uh, the uh, LGBTQ community. So, what would your be what would your advice be to students and teens who want to get out there and help their friends or peers feel included? What, what exactly can they do? Yeah, well, that's a that is a great question. The article, the, the most recent one, is in a, a journal called the New Republic. So I think it's newrepublic.org. Um, and people can find it by Googling my name and the, the words pride or stonewall or activism because it was in commemoration of Pride Month, which we uh, just marked in June, marking the uprising that took place at the Stonewall, uh, which, was a, which is a bar in New York where people fought back against oppression and discrimination and stigma and being um, ill-treated. Uh, and that marked the beginning of the ongoing movement. It wasn't the first time people had ever fought back or stood up for themselves, but it, but it marked the beginning of a, a sustained movement. And the main point I make in that piece, maybe there are two main points. One is that while we can celebrate individual bravery and being able to find your journey and uh, live your life and live on your terms and so on, which is what people were fighting for at Stonewall, and what you and I just talked about, that it's not just about individual acts of courage. It shouldn't have to be, and it isn't just about individual bravery or finding your way, because what changed the world was not just a handful of people standing up one day, it was sustained activism. It was people doing stuff to change the world. And it was the people who were being oppressed, but it was also many other people, allies and family members and others who joined in the work, fellow citizens who had their hearts opened and their minds engaged and changed their minds and came to a different understanding and joined the work. And so the activism that I describe in the piece is how we make the world better for ourselves and for other people, not just by hoping, not just by complaining, not just by being anxious or worried or, or complacent, but by engaging in work to make the world different. And there are all kinds of ways one can make the world different, you know, and of course it varies from where you are and what age you are and what your skill set is and what your temperament is. But again, there's many different ways. So everybody can find something they can do. And in the piece, in the New Republic, I do talk about the various methodologies of change, as Dr. King called them, 
litigation, legislation, public education, direct action, electoral work, fundraising, and you know, you and others will find which ones of those are the best ones for you at various stages of your life to help or support individually or as part of an organization, part of a team. But the chief engine of change with all of those other methodologies, the chief engine of change is conversation. So the number one thing each of us can find a way to do is to try to share our story, share our values, talk and learn and encourage others to rise to fairness through conversation. And you should start those conversations with someone you trust. Don't feel like you have to start with the hardest, the most scary, the most difficult, the most intractable. Start with the people you can find who can, can reach you and you can reach and whose hearts and minds you can hope to engage without a big fight, without a heavy lift. And then you work your way outward. Start with a conversation, sharing your story and talking about your values and learning about experience and ways of making a difference and encouraging other people to do the same thing. And those conversations, again, they don't have to be heavy duty. They don't have to be, be big arguments. It can begin with sharing your story, sharing your feelings, sharing your concerns, sharing your questions. And everybody has a story. You don't have to be gay to have some connection to this question. You don't have to be trans. You don't have to be any particular thing. We all have a connection. We all may have a friend. We all may know of somebody. We all may have read a book. We all may have heard this podcast. And that can be the opening to the conversation. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's really enlightening. And I think, um, you know, anyone who's listening to the podcast right now should take that advice and, um, you know, implement it wherever they can. If they, if you guys have any uh, friends or anyone, you know, who is struggling to find their identity, then, you know, take the advice that Professor Wolfson said and um, gave. And I think, I think that's, that's really important. So thank you for your time, Professor Wolfson. I think that's all the questions we have for today. And uh, back to the uh, main segment. Thank you. Okay, good luck. And everybody has power, including young people. So learn how to use it and make the world better. Good luck to you. Professor Wolfson is right. The best way for you to help is to fight back. Use activism in your own way. Online, offline, on the streets, in school, to your parents, wherever. Be careful with how you say things. And if you are part of the LGBTQ plus group, live your truth. Be open, but be tolerant. We should all try our best. Anyways, that's all for this episode. Check out other episodes and stay tuned for the next one. Thanks for listening and see ya.